I have a question for you here today to start off this message. It's what do you think of when you think of a king? What do you think of when you think of a queen or a kingdom? What might that be? For the men, I'm just going to be honest, for me in particular, uh, I automatically think of an old dude with a sword, okay? He's got like a massive beard. He's got a crown on, you know, he's just chilling up on his throne, like demanding service from his peasants and all this stuff. And uh, you might think of some movies, men, right? Like we think of Lord of the Rings. Come on, how many nerds I got in the house today? Come on, you there with me? Yes, a few more than last service, guys. We're nerds together, all right? I love it, I love it. Uh, maybe you think of Gladiator. Come on, that's an awesome movie. What about Braveheart? Let's see if you can do this with me. They may take away our lives, but they'll never Never take our freedom. freedom. You should have heard last service. There's more women's participation in that one. I appreciate that. Last service, it was like freedom. <laughs> I was like, man, there's no women ever seen this movie. And two ladies in the back was like, I was a part of that. I said it too. All right, pastor. So I appreciate that. Good job, ladies. But our minds immediately go towards fighting or action shots, raw power, empire. So, you know, we think of that kind of stuff. But ladies, I'm going to be real. I think you might have thought of something different when I first said that. I think you might have thought maybe of the royal family in the UK, and that's kind of where your mind goes. Maybe uh, kings and queens and all this stuff is more of a soapy TV show drama for you, like The Crown, right? You're watching that or something like that. Or maybe you're thinking of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. I cannot believe what happened the other day. You know, it's like you're talking to your husband. You're like, did you see what happened the other day? Did you see what they're saying about them? And your husband's like, no, no, I, I did not, nor do I care. And she's like, I'm going to tell you anyway. It's like, okay, fine. I mean, you're going to do what you're going to do, you know? But that's the kind of thing that happens. That's maybe what you think of. Maybe you think of uh, not kings and queens, but you might have thought of Disney princesses. Come on. How many of you love Disney movies? Okay, I know there's some classics here we got. I grew up with this one. Uh, I had the Little Mermaid, Under the Sea, right? I like that stuff. There we go. The next one, we got Snow White, which was just an absolute, uh, uh, just a crazy advancement of uh, cartoons, an amazing advancement there. And then the next one, one of my favorites, we got Aladdin. I can show you the world, shining shimmer. No one else? Dead. Tell me, princess. All right. Okay. All right. You're dealing with the theater kid here. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. If you can't tell, I love singing. All right. Anyway. But then we have the last one who is the queen of all princesses, and her name is Cinderella. Cinderella. Um, but you know, if you have kids, and how many of y'all do have kids? I'm just kind of curious. Would you just raise your hand if you have kids? Okay. I'm sorry. Anyway. Um, no. <laughs> They're a blessing, Lord. We love them, all right? But especially if you have girls, okay, if you have girls, uh, this movie's probably been on repeat for the last 10 years, and that would be Frozen. Handsomer. <laughs> you got Olaf, you know, it's like a good stuff. It feels like summer out there right now. Goodness gracious. Uh, but, you know, you've probably had that on repeat forever. And my wife, Lindsay, as a matter of fact, she is nine and a half months pregnant right now with our girl, our first girl. And we have Oakland, who's three and a half. And she is working in the kids ministry right now. <laughs> Come on. That is amazing. She's nine and a half months. She is ready to pop. And girl is helping out your little babies over there. So she's just getting a little extra practice before it comes. All right. But um, we all have preconceived notions and, and thoughts on kings and kingdoms and queens, princesses, all this kind of stuff. And to be honest, you probably don't think about it too terribly much, right? It's not something that we generally think about all the time, but our culture does shape the way that we think about them. And as a matter of fact, I don't know if you knew this, but there's still 26 monarchies in the world today. 
still 26 monarchies, kingdoms that are in the world today. And now most of them are just figureheads. They don't really have much power necessarily, uh, but some of them are the sole rulers of their nations and they do make the day-to-day decisions on what happens in that nation. And the reason why I think that we don't think about it too much is because we're Americans, guys. We don't really think about uh, kings and queens and, and we don't like the idea of it. It's what makes us American. We have freedom, right? That's what we're all about here in America. In fact, we fled the persecution of a king, went across an entire ocean, and then set up an entirely new democracy, right? Which is the complete opposite of a kingdom, specifically so that we can have our own freedom. We elect our official officials here, guys. We have the power, or so we think, but that's kind of another thing anyway. We're not going to get into that today, but, but we think we have some power. Uh, but here's the deal. Kings, they have three kind of defining things that they do, three defining traits, if you will. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And then we're going to contrast them a little bit with how Jesus operates. The first one is kings crave power. Second is kings build wealth. And the last one is kings use force. Kings crave power, kings build wealth, and kings use force. But with Jesus, none of these are true. They're just not. So if you're taking notes today, I hope you do on Easter Sunday. The title of the message is King Jesus. Somebody say King Jesus. The three things that kings do and Jesus does not. Let's pray real fast. Father, I pray that you would open up ears and minds to hear what it is that you would have for us today. God, would you speak through me? It wouldn't be my words, but yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, number one, kings crave power. Power tends to corrupt, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. Maybe you've heard that before. Power tends to corrupt, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. This was written by a guy called Lord Acton, and he was a historian and a moralist. And what he was doing while he was writing this is he was actually charged with judging the abuses of past kings, judging the different abuses and, and of past popes and how they had mistreated the people that they were in charge of. And I think that's interesting that this is the conclusion that he ends up coming to, that power tends to corrupt. It just does. This is what he finds. But absolute power corrupts absolutely. Kings have ultimate power over their subjects, right? I mean, they can choose who lives. They can choose who dies. They can choose how the money is spent, who's in charge of different things. They have the authority to make any decision that they please. And they crave power because it comes with one thing, I think, and it comes with control. They want to be able to control what is said. They want to be able to control what is done. And they demand service from people so that they can have control over the people. They are the most important person in the room and what they say goes. And if we can just be honest with ourselves for a second, all right, just get real with me. I think we all have a little bit of that within us, right? I think we could all say that we have this innate desire for power, right? I want to be in charge. I want to be number one. It's within every single one of us. We all want to be important. We all want to have some level of authority in our lives, whether it's over our kids or we want to be able to control what's going on in our job or in our family or whatever it might be for you. We like to have authority. We like to have power. Whether you would say that or not, 
It's within all of us as humans. Let me give you an example. It's better to work for yourself than it is to work for someone else. Amen? Come on. I did marketing for a little bit. Um, I was doing the church stuff at the beginning. I did social media marketing for a while. I really enjoy it. And I was able to work for myself for a little while, which was really cool. I had never done it before. I'd always been an employee. And so getting to have my own gig was really awesome. Now, it comes with its own challenges, okay? But I think it's awesome when you get to wake up whenever you want and set your own hours. And I could do my work at 12 p.m. or I could do it at 12 a.m. And it doesn't make a difference because I'm the boss, right? And it's awesome, okay? Um, and if you're working for somebody else, you still want a promotion, right? You don't want to be at the bottom of the barrel. You want to be the one that gets the promotion. You're above the other people. So you can have that little level of control. You can have that authority and it'll put you ahead of other people. And if we're getting really honest now, okay? Stay with me, guys. I think that marriages can be a little bit like this sometimes. Uh, I think they're just a big power struggle sometimes between two really, really independent people that have different views on things that are trying now to live together. Do you remember married people when you first got married? Maybe you had this argument, right? You're already looking at each other like, oh, here he goes, all right? You're about to be in the doghouse on Easter Sunday, guys. I'll try not to. But maybe you were that couple that fought over the toothpaste. Do y'all ever have the toothpaste? All right, we got the school squeezers in the house or we got the rollers in the house okay if you if you roll the toothpaste will you raise your hand if you roll the toothpaste you're a bunch of weirdos okay you're weird I don't claim you in the name of Jesus I'm just kidding I'm just kidding but 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 no I just just squeeze it get it out there and just be on with your day, you know? Like maybe it's a roll, or maybe you're a toilet paper on the inside or the outside kind of a person. Maybe wives, you've had to tell your husband, put the toilet seat down for the thousandth time, you know? And you, you, why don't you hang out with your family all the time? Why do you have to talk to your mother every single day of your life, three times a day? You hang out with them all the time. Like, you know what's going on. And it's like, I talk to my mom once every two months and we're totally fine. And she's all like, yeah, that's because you don't love your family like I love mine. It's like, okay, sure it is. Sure. And you get into these power struggles. You think that it's my way is better. The way that I do things is better than the way that you do things. And it becomes this power struggle because let's be honest, we're all human. We all want to believe that we know the best way to do things. And at the end of the day, it's not always true. And let me just clear something up for a second. Um, uh, let me talk to the men in the room. Okay. Men, you think that you have the power in your relationship, but you don't, you don't, you just don't. Women, you let us think that we have just enough power to just like keep us quiet, uh, but we all know that you really do have the power. So yeah, man, I'm so sorry. Women, you, you with me today? Amen. The women said yes to that. Come on now. Jesus, uh, his disciples got into a power struggle one time, and I'd like to read that to you. It's in Mark 10, 35. Should be on the screen for you. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Not a great way to start talking to Jesus. Jesus, I'd like you to do whatever I want you to do, okay? It's not really going to work. Yeah, what do you want for me to do for you guys, he asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Jesus goes on to say, uh, no, that's not how that works, okay, guys? Uh, and then the other 10 hear about what happened. The other 10 hear 
that these two, James and John, came up to Jesus and said, we want to sit at your right and your left when you get to heaven one day. And they're like, okay, who died? It made you the king of this discipleship thing here we got going on. James and John, you think you're so cool. What about us? Why can't I sit next to Jesus? And they're all fighting. They're all bickering, having this argument. And then Jesus does what any good parent would do. And what is that? He calls a family meeting. He calls a family meeting and says, hey, everybody, come on in. Let's talk about this. And this is what he says. Skip to verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Isn't that a powerful passage there? Jesus completely flips the script on what you would think and what we would feel as humans. And he's saying these kings of the Gentiles, these kings in these other places, they exercise that authority over them. They are the people that hold it over their heads and they make sure to let them know that they are in charge. You ever had a boss like that? Come on, I'm sure you have. They had to let you know that they were the one that was in charge. They send those emails, the unnecessary ones, right? Like the passive aggressive little comments as they pass by you, little things that just get under your skin where they're just prideful. They have to let you know that they're in charge. Jesus says, that's how other kings rule, but that's not how I rule. That's how other people think but that's not how you guys need to think. That's not how the kingdom of God works. If you wanna be great, what do you have to do? You have to be a servant. If you wanna be first in the kingdom of God, you have to put yourself last. This goes against everything that we feel because who doesn't wanna be first, right? I wanna be first, I wanna win. I'm a very competitive individual. If I'm playing basketball, if I'm playing volleyball, if I'm playing anything with the ball, I wanna win, okay? Like I'm not trying to lose. And yet Jesus says, you have to put yourself last. Jesus is a different kind of king. He just is. He has all power and all authority, but what did he choose to do? He chose to serve others, amen? And ultimately, what does he do? He chose to get down on his hands and knees and wash the nasty fungus feet of his disciples. That's gross. They walked around a lot. They wore sandals. It's the Middle East. They dusty, okay? But he gets down on his hands and knees and washes their feet. What kind of king does that? And he chose to die on the cross for us, for you and for me, so that we could have life. All the sins that we've committed, Jesus took them upon himself so that we could have life. What kind of a king does that? I'm gonna ask that question a few times through the rest of the message today. I want you to think about that. Second thing that kings do that Jesus doesn't, kings desire wealth. They would like to be the richest person in the room and they're identified with wealth, right? I mean, they're the people that we think are the richest of the richest of the richest. Uh, I had an opportunity one time to go to London and it was actually uh, on the way to a missions trip to Nepal, which was really cool. Got to go through the Himalayas and tell people about Jesus in the villages, played soccer with the kids, which I won. I beat all of them. I'm just kidding. No, I didn't. They were so good. Okay. And so, uh, but we had a 10 hour layover in London. And so all of us, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old Americans said, let's be the most basic tourist possible. So we went onto the eye, the big Ferris wheel, a ton of fun. And then we said, we want to go check out Buckingham Palace. And it is absolutely massive. Buckingham Palace is 
Huge. It's almost as big as Elon Musk building that's right down the road. It's almost that big, I swear to you. Uh, but it has 240 bedrooms, 775 total rooms. That's insane. There's a swimming pool, a movie theater, and I think the craziest part is that there is a post office inside of the home. This is a residence, technically, all right? And yet they have their own post office. They also have a doctor's office that's surgery ready for if anything happens to the queen, she is right there. There's a doctor on call. There is legitimately a dude that his entire job, 40 to 50 hours a week, is to change the light bulbs. To change light bulbs. It's because there's hundreds of thousands of them. He has a 40 hour a week job just to change light bulbs. That's crazy. Uh, this is some five star amenity kind of stuff. And it's a massive amount of wealth. Can we just all agree? That is a ridiculous amount of wealth. But also I think we could agree, who wouldn't want that? That's awesome. You know, like having this staff and all this cool stuff in your home all the time, having people to do even the most basic of tasks for you. Who wouldn't want that? Selfishly, let's be real. We would all want that. But Jesus talks about wealth in a different way. Mark 10, 17, it says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus says, you got to keep all the commandments. The dude says, good to go, done all that. Uh, and then in Mark 10, 21, it picks up. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's a tough statement. Let me tell you why. I don't know how much money you have or how wealthy you think that you are, but I can tell you right now, no matter who you are and how much money you think you have, you are already just by living where you live in the top 10% of the wealthiest people in the world. Did you know that? In the top 10% in the world, you could be on a teacher salary, you could be working at Chick-fil-A, you could be working any, I don't care, and you're already in the top 10%, most wealthy people in the world. I think we gotta remind ourselves of that sometimes because we can take so much for granted that we forget that we have it so good here, that we're able to come into this place and to worship God, to lift up our hands and worship our risen Savior, that we're able to have our homes and our cars and our nice things, our iPhone, all this stuff. And, and, and Jesus says this phrase, it's so hard for the wealthy to enter into the kingdom of God. And so I think then the question that we would have to ask is why? Why is it so hard for the wealthy people to enter the kingdom of God? And I think you could boil it down to this. Because we become so self-sufficient that we no longer see the need for a savior. We no longer need Jesus anymore. We no longer think that we don't need any help, I'm good. I set this life up for myself. I worked hard. I went to college. I got the degree. I got the job. I put in the hours. This money is mine. I've made this. I did this. This family is because of me. This fame is because of me. All of that, it's all of our own selfish desires. And we think that everything we have is our own. And we become so self-sufficient 
If we think every problem can be fixed with money, we become comfortable with our lives and the distractions of everyday life, right? We have our cars, we have our homes, we have our jobs, we have food on the table, we have every subscription service known to man. Come on, the newest iPhone, iPad, iMac, i this, i that. Do you see the marketing there? It's I, it's me. And life becomes all about us and me and I instead about him, instead of about Jesus, who's actually the one that gives us life. Amen. Jesus rejected wealth and he chose instead to give. He gave everything that he had. He gave to those, and this is the most important thing. He gave to those that could not give him anything in return. A lot of times we give because we think like, we'll get something back, you know, like I'll give to you or I'll help you out with this. And then you're like, you know, this unwritten rule in a sense that like I scratch your back, you scratch mine, like we'll kind of work together. No, no, no. Jesus just gave to people just because he loved them, just because they had nothing to give in return. And yet Jesus gave everything. Ultimately, he gave his life for you and for me so that we could have joy, peace, and hope and an eternal life with God one day. What kind of a king does that? What kind of a king does that? Come on now. The last point is kings use force. Kings use force. Uh, kings and kingdoms have historically used force to get what they want. They use force to conquer land, to conquer a people group. When they're mad, they just do whatever they want, right? And to be honest, um, it's sad to see what has come of Ukraine in the last few months. It's so sad to see what they've been going through and dealing with. And we had a time of prayer when everything kind of first started happening. And, you know, we all knew what was going on. There's still a lot of, we're not sure what's going on, but we just decided as a church, we're going to take some time to pray. But we didn't just pray even for Ukraine, but we prayed for the leaders of our country. We prayed for their leaders. We prayed for the men, women, and children that are innocent. We prayed even honestly for the Russian soldiers. And we even prayed for Vladimir Putin himself, because how many of you know that God can save even the farthest of the farthest of the farthest of the person, that they are in sin, they're trapped in sin, they're the most awful person in the world. Do you believe that God could save that person? And I believe the answer is yes. Why? Because I'm that person. Because you're that person. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And maybe you haven't committed such atrocities that Vladimir Putin has, but yet we've all sinned in some way against God. And yet Jesus came and died for Vladimir Putin the same that he died for you. But it's sad to see what's happened in Ukraine. And it's really honestly all because of one man's abuse of his power, because of one man's decision that he wanted to take what wasn't his, he thinks it is, but you can argue that. But thousands of women, men, and children, innocent people have been killed because of it. And it's so sad. But this is how kings think. This is how they operate. He's more, in a sense, a little bit more of a dictator than a king, but, and maybe a little bit of a glimpse into those old school medieval kings that you might have seen in the past in these movies that we see. And this is how they think, but it's ironically uh, <clears throat> also how children think. Can we just talk about that for a second? Children, they will use force to get what they want. And if you are a parent, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Like, I don't even have to explain this anymore. I could just say that, and we can have an altar call, and just, you know, then we're done, all right? Um, but this is how children think. When I don't get my way, I'll just take it, right? I mean, that, that's like an easy way for kids to operate. That's what they do. Uh, if a kid comes up and maybe they just like take somebody's toy, like I want to play with that toy. This is my toy now, totally my toy, okay? And they take that 
And then the other kid, now this one kid has used force against him. And so he says, I will use not equal force, but I will use more force. And now I will push you and take back the toy that was once mine. I will take back what the devil stole from me. Come on, you know, that's how they're operating in their mind. And so they use force. And when someone makes me mad, I'll just hit them. That's kind of how kids are. And um, if I can just be honest with you guys, I think Lindsay and I made a mistake with our son, Oakland. I think we made a mistake. And let me tell you why. Um, Lindsay has this punching bag. And it's one of those things that just like sits in your garage. You have a piece of workout equipment that just sits in your garage and you say that you're going to use it for years and years and years. And your spouse wants to get rid of it and you move it from home to home and you're like, no, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it eventually. I love that thing. I'm going to use it, Trev. I've used it before. I'm like, when? I have never, there's cobwebs on it. It has dust all over it. You have never used this thing. She's got the boxing gloves. I mean, girls like thinking she's going to take out her aggression, but she has not ever once used it, okay? And so we made a mistake. And in Oakland, uh, he, 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 he was watching this, this YouTube video one day because he loves the song, Eye of the Tiger. You know that song? Dent, 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 right? He loves that thing. And I don't know why, but it just happened. And it's from the movie Rocky. And so we actually watched the YouTube video of it one day, not just the song, but there was a YouTube video of Rocky and he's punching and he's fighting and Oakland's just staring at it like, and I'm like, this is bad. This is not gonna end good. I can promise you that right now. And so he wanted to get the gloves out. Lindsay was like, let's pull it out finally. So I clean it all up and I give it to him. And he starts punching on this thing. I'm playing the song on my phone. I am the tiger, it's the thriller. Like he's like just going to town on this thing. Uh, but we made a mistake uh, because now anytime I'm writing my sermon, this really did happen the other day. I'm writing my sermon, just being led by the spirit of God, you know, and then I get a right hook to the face and it's my son <laughs> with the glove on. I'm sure Lindsay was there filming. I guarantee it. She loves that kind of stuff. But he literally just right upside me. I just, it was it blindsided me, honestly. And so uh, he's hitting now, and we're trying to stop that, okay? He thinks it's a joke. He thinks it's hilarious. He just comes up to me and just punches me all the time. I'm like, Oakland, you can't do that, right? But let's be real. Kids, they learn how to hit uh, without anybody having to tell them, okay? You, I didn't have to teach him how to do that. He had already done that before and we had had to teach him, you don't hit, you don't push when you don't get your way. You don't have to use force. Why? Because it's a natural tendency of humans to try to use force to get what we want. And yet Jesus doesn't operate like that. Not our King Jesus. He could have amassed an entire army and raised up against the Roman government that was oppressing the Jewish people. And the Jews thought that this was their king, their Messiah that was gonna release them from this oppression from the Roman government. And yet Jesus didn't do that. Right after the last supper, you see in Matthew 26, Judas had just betrayed Jesus with 30 pieces of silver and kissed him on the cheek, his own disciple. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus and arrested him. And with that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? You see, Jesus could have easily defended himself if he wanted to. 
He could have called on the Father and angels would have came down. He could have picked up a sword himself and went all kinds of gladiator on them dudes, right? He had 12 disciples, well, 11 really, you know, but anyway, he had all the disciples, could have just gone nuts on them, but that's not what he did. Matthew 27, 28 through 31, after he goes on trial, he ends up getting turned over to the Roman guards. And this is what happens to him. They stripped him, put on a scarlet robe on him, and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. That crown would have ripped into his skull and it just would have hurt so incredibly bad. Thorns, think about that, just being pushed down onto your head. They put a staff in his right hand. They knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him, took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. And then they led him away to crucify him. They led him away to crucify him. This Jesus, who is God in the flesh, we celebrate at Christmas time, right? When this little baby Jesus, right? In this manger, we believe that God came down in the flesh, born of a virgin Mary, right? You know the story. He grows up, never does anything wrong, lives a perfect and sinless life. Is God's only son. All he ever did was love people. All he ever did was heal people. All he ever did was help people, show people what real, true love and joy and peace looks like. And yet here we find him getting turned over to these people. They beat him with whips right after this. And this is not just some normal, I'm not talking about like, you know, like old school Western kind of whips. No, 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 we're not dealing with that. I think we need to understand what Jesus went through, right? These are cat of nine tails, which is a whip that had all these little throngs on it. And they would put pieces of glass on the end of it, shards of stone, rocks. And as they would whip around your back, it would actually go around the side sometimes and would actually just rip the flesh right off of your back. And I know it's graphic and I'm sorry, but this is what Jesus did. I think it's important for us to understand what he actually did. To understand the gravity of, of the beating that Jesus took for you and for me. So then they lay his already bloodied body down on the cross. And what do they do next? They put nails in his hands and his feet and they hoisted him up on the side of a mountain in between two criminals, guys that deserved what they were getting. And above a head, Matthew 27, 37, it says, above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. They're just really making fun of him now. What kind of king does that? This is the question that they're mocking him with now. What kind of king are you, man? Look at you up on a cross, dying now. Yeah, what kind of a king? Sure you are. Yeah, what a great job you're doing, leading all of your people right now. Good one, Jesus. What kind of king puts others before himself? Weirdo, what kind of king washes his subjects' feet? That's nasty, man. That's not what kings do. What kind of king gives away everything that he has? What kind of king would allow himself to die on a cross? That's so weird that you would do that. And they're making fun of him in so many ways. And, and what kind of king does that? 
what kind of king does these things? And listen, the greatest thing is that we know what the answer is. And the answer is Jesus does all of these things. Amen. Jesus laid his life down. He gave everything that he had for you and for me. He's the king, though, that didn't stay dead. But then on the third day, we know what happens. And this is what we're celebrating today. Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. On the third day, the stone in front of the tomb was rolled away. And the angels that were there told the women, they said, he is not here for he is risen. Come on, can somebody give Jesus praise today that he is not dead, but he is alive today. He's the king that has power over death itself. The grave couldn't hold him and the cross doesn't define him. It's the empty tomb that defines who Jesus is. That's why we worship. We don't worship a dead God. We worship a God that's alive and it says that he sits at the right hand of the Father and he prays for you. He's praying for me. It says Christianese terms that he intercedes for us to the Father. That means he's praying for you and the struggles that you're going through, the things that you're dealing with, the sin that's in your life, the family relationships that are broken, the doubt and the anxiety and the worry that you have, the fear in your life. Jesus is praying for you, praying for your destiny, praying that you would have a future that's better than your past. Jesus wants a relationship with you here in this place today. It's his resurrection that makes him the ultimate king. In fact, the Bible says this, that he is the king of kings. We're just saying, he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. What does that mean? It means simply this, that there is no person on earth that compares to Jesus Christ. There is no king on this earth. There is no president. There is no celebrity. There is no actor. There is no musician. There is no boss. There is no individual. There is no thing or no person that compares to the power that Jesus Christ has. Come on, all other people pale in comparison to him and people who think that they are all that are gonna be laid flat. Let me tell you right now. Philippians 2, it says this, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, amen? So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's the deal, there will come a day when all of us will bow before King Jesus and everyone will confess that he is Lord, but you get to decide when. You can do it now and give your life to him and experience the peace and the love and the, the, the joy that surpasses everything you could ever have on your own. You can step into a destiny that's greater than the life that you could create for yourself. You can understand that we're in need of a savior, that we are all sinners and we all have fallen short of the glory of God. And you can give your life to him today, right now and walk out of this place a different person. The Bible says that you are a new creation when you give your life to Jesus. The old has gone and the new has come. He takes your sins and throws them as far away as the east is from the west. Come on, is there anybody today that is grateful for Jesus that has saved them, healed them and delivered them in this place? If you know that joy, you know what I'm talking about. But there's some of y'all that need to make that choice today. And if you don't make it today or tomorrow or any other day in this life, you can pass away and then realize, oh my goodness, he is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. 
And I don't want you to get to that point because by then it's too late. We have to give our lives to Jesus today, right here, right now. And I want you to know in this place that if you've never met Jesus before, I want you to know he loves you. He cares for you. He has a plan for your life. The Bible says that he knows every hair that is on your head. Come on, some more than others. But he knows every single thing about you. He knows your fears, your anxieties, your worries, your greatest aspirations, your deepest, darkest secrets. God knows the inmost being of who we are. And yet he still loves you anyway. If you told your deep, deepest, darkest secrets to somebody in your life that you love, they might walk away from you, but Jesus never will. He will never leave you nor forsake you is what the Bible says. Come on, would everybody stand up in this place today? We're gonna worship King Jesus in this house. He's not a king that's angry. He doesn't wanna dominate you, but he wants to have a relationship with you. And you, if you will allow him, he will be the king over every disappointment that you have. He will be the king over your life. He'll be the king over your family. And I guarantee you, your life will be forever changed. Amen. Come on. Would you lift your hands and worship today? Would you lift your hands and sing out to King Jesus? Give your life to him now. Say yes to Jesus in this place. Come on. Let's worship together. today in this place I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the king of your life maybe you've made him king of your life before but you've substituted his kingship for something else maybe your own pride maybe you feel like you don't need a God you know you don't need Jesus I'm good I got this together let me tell you we all need Jesus I need Jesus and I'm so grateful that I found him. When I was in my darkest moment, 
He picked me up out of that place, gave me a new life. And I know so many stories of people in this exact room right now that that's their story too, and it could be yours. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to him then and say, you know what, I've I've substituted his kingship for something else and I wanna rededicate my life. I wanna make him number one again. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're here in this place. Someone dragged you here to church. You didn't even wanna come today. Maybe you woke up, you were late, you wanted to go to the 9.30 and you got here at 11 because you woke up too late. I don't know what the story is. Maybe you've never been a church person, quote unquote, or you've been hurt by the church some church leaders, you just feel like we're all hypocrites. Honestly, I get it. But Jesus, it remains the same. We will fail, but Jesus never does. So maybe you need to give your life to him for the first time and you can feel the presence of God in this room today. I know I do. And he wants to have that beautiful relationship with you. You might not understand everything. That's okay. We'll walk with you through it, I promise. And I wanna give you the opportunity to say yes. On the count of three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and look up at me, okay? One, two, three. If that's you, I'm gonna see you. I see you at the back. I see you. I see you over here. Come on, I see you right here. Is there anybody else that wants to give their life to Jesus today? Make sure I see you. Make sure I see you. Is that you? Okay, come on, anybody else? I see you over here. I see you right here. Come on. I see you. Come on, I see you right here at the back. Yes. Come on, can we just celebrate for one second the people that raise their hands? Come on, just put your hands together. The Bible says that heaven, all of heaven celebrates when one person finds the hope that's in Jesus Christ. One. And there was probably about 10 to 12 of y'all here right now. And there was about 8 to 10 in the last service. Man. And you know, you don't have to say any special prayer. It's not, you don't have to say some Christianese kind of a thing. All you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, confess it with your mouth. The Bible says you'll be saved. That's it. And so together, let's all say this prayer in an act of unity and solidarity with every person that's saying this prayer, maybe for the first time or rededicating their life. Would you pray along with me? Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. And today I make you king of all my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins so that I could have life. Forgive me for where I've gone wrong and help me to see the plan that you have for me. Thank you for your love, joy, and peace that you're giving me right now. I love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Come on, everybody, would you say amen in this place today? Come on, give it up for Jesus in the house of God today. What an incredible Easter we've had together. I pray that you have felt the presence of God. And I'd love for you to stick around and get connected into the Rad family, especially those of you that made that decision for the first time, or if you're just looking for a church home, man, we would love to be that place for you week in and week out. We have an incredible group of people here. So let me pray over you one more time and then encourage you to fill out that connect card, go hang out with your kids, get some Kona ice, take a family picture. They already got all their eggs, I promise. They're gonna be coming out of here hyped up, okay? So let me pray over you as you go into the rest of your weekend, okay? Jesus, we thank you uh, just that you're here in this place. Thank you that you died, but more importantly, we thank you that you are a resurrected king. 
not the God that's dead, but the God that's alive and that praying for us right here, right now. God, I thank you for these 10, 12 people that gave their lives to you right now. I know there's a party going on in heaven and all over the world with all the people and all the churches that are saying yes to you today that are saying yes to the hope and the joy and the peace that you have to offer, an abundant life that's so much better than we can have on our own. God, I thank you. And I pray that you would give favor and provision for every single family here, new jobs, uh, new favor in their workplace, new favor with their spouse. God, that marriages would be restored as they walk out of this place, that addictions would be broken as they walk out of this place right now, that hopelessness would be broken, that cancer is broken in the name of Jesus. As we leave this place right now, we believe that you are the God that heals. You are the God that provides. And we thank you and we worship you here today. And God, I pray a blessing over every family, over every man, woman, and child. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Come on. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for worshiping with us today. Connect with us. God bless you.